Welcome to the Parent Matters Podcast, where we help you navigate the ever-changing landscape of parenting and equip you with tools to confidently parent your children. I'm Susan Stutzman, and today's topic is movement practices for mental health. And we're going to be exploring whole person or whole body experiential ways to cultivate being an authentic parent through providing and supporting movement practices for mental health with your children. And here today on our podcast to share her expertise and her personal perspective and knowledge of movement-based practice is Elizabeth Hickman. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me today. I'm very excited to share what I've learned and uh, experienced and what I've shared with other families. Awesome. I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm really excited to hear about Um, movement practices and how they can affect our mental health. But before we do jump into the topic, I'd love to just um, have you share with our listeners a little bit more about your work and life as well as what you're passionate about so that we can understand in context um, all that you're going to share with us in a little bit. Okay. Well, um, just a little bit of background about myself. I'm actually a physical therapist. I um, went to Northwestern University and graduated in 2000. Um, Quickly after graduating uh, from school, I was in outpatient orthopedics, but um, quickly jumped into working with kids and I started working in the school environment. And um, as a physical therapist in the schools, we're really looking at um, children and how their movement allows them to learn, allows them to focus, allows them to access their education and so forth. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. initially, um, you know, there were a lot of questions by teachers that I didn't totally have the answers to. Um, Uh, Mm. kids that were being very misunderstood by the system and they didn't have a medical diagnosis. Um, Teachers would start labeling them this, that, and the other. And um, there became a very negative relationship with the children and in their classroom environments. Mm. And and those kids really pulled on my heartstrings because it was, Mm -hmm. they needed assistance, they needed help, and it was very obvious that their like neurological system was very immature and yet um, their resources were just not there. So fast Mm -hmm. forward, so that was in 2002 when I started in the school-based environment and um, but fast forward to uh, 2005 I had my own child and um, interesting. Um, life takes you in a path when you, ha- when you start having kids and having your own needs. And when he was born, um, he was in the NICU and uh, he had kind mm. of a very, I say, fast and furious start to life and sort of traumatic. Mm. And um, he was a phenomenal baby, but just would not sleep. He was a total non-sleeper and um, Mm -hmm. unless he nursed 24 hours out of the day. And I was, um, he was a happy baby, but just, it was very obvious that his nervous system 
was just revving like crazy and needed assistance all mm -hmm. the time. And this is a story for like a lot of parents, a lot of new, newer parents mm -hmm. when they're trying to figure out how to regulate their children, their babies, things like that. And um, by the time he was three, um, he still was not sleeping through the night and he was still getting up two, three, four times a night with major night terrors. And I was, mm. I was desperate, you know, so I was desperate as a parent. Yeah. And then professionally, some of these kids that were being misunderstood in um, the school systems, I was really looking for strategies for them. And even though, mm -hmm. um, you know, in my, in my schooling at Northwestern and my physical therapy uh, practice, it just wasn't offering me enough to give these kids mm. what they needed. So I say this was the good times of Google searches and being able to like connect with the world and, and so forth. And I found a band of people outside actually the US and realized because what I was noticing in my own son as well as a lot of the kids that I worked with was that there were movement patterns that were so immature that they really needed um, assistance with maturing those patterns. They were patterns that should mm. have actually been um, developed very early on, even in utero or in the first year of life. And it was just complicating yeah. their ability to, to live in the world and interact in the world. And so that's mm -hmm. when I started specializing in, or I say learning about what I practice now, which is called rhythmic movement training. And it's a mm -hmm. movement-based uh, practice that helps with integrating reflexes. And uh, we, yeah. we can go more deeply later um, into what I mean by reflexes, but it's using a movement-based practice to actually help mature various parts of the brain. And um, so maybe when a child has skipped a stage, hasn't been in a stage very long, didn't have opportunity for one reason or another um, to develop those things early on, we rewind back and we use movement mm -hmm. to help lay down that neurological foundation. So fa yeah. fast forward to today, I continued in the schools and working in the schools, but now I have my own private practice where I serve kids um, in, in my office. I also still serve kids in the schools. I love still working with uh, teachers and all of the uh, support staff in the schools. And then I also teach continuing education classes for professionals, but then also for parents. Parents, teachers, yeah, well, anybody, so. That's awesome. I know I first um, learned about you um, through a email blast from a group that I'm a part of, um, and it got it sparked my interest because I, as a mental health professional, um, find that movement is essential in working with kiddos. And as a parent myself with three kiddos, um, I have have found that there are differing needs for each of them. And even though um, it can it can feel sometimes like it's more effective just to try and steam ahead with homework or with different things. Um, I've found, especially um, with 
my two girls, they're twins, they it's much better to use movement. And I will say, you know, one thing that I'm excited to talk to you about is um, uh, reflexes and integrating them because I know that um, whether I know you're a PT and whether uh, parents have any um, uh, experience or interaction with PTs or OTs or uh, mental health therapists, um, we're working together with your child to um, begin to um, help them with regulation or what I like to call balancing their nervous system to teach them how to get in and out of situations. Um, and yet sometimes it's really hard or almost impossible to do if they have an unintegrated primitive reflex. So um, I'm excited to chat with you about this. So I let's jump in and and would you share can you can you share a little bit for our listeners um, about the central nervous system why that's so important to know about um, that highly complex coordination um, that comes from um, our central nervous system area and um, and how it impacts our development and what we do and how we move and breathe in the world. Sure. Well, I, I'll explain some of this and even bring in the idea of reflexes and so forth. And so the way that I like to describe this to a lot of, I say, non-medical um, professionals is that you know, at the time of birth, we have all parts of our brain present, but the only part of our brain that is fully functional is the brainstem. The brainstem is, you know, the base of the brain, and the base of the brain has um, all of the essential things. It regulates all the essential things for us to live, right? Everything from breathing to our respiration rate to our ability to sleep, sleep-like cycles, all kinds of things that you know this brainstem does and it's critical right and so at birth that's um the the highly functioning part of our brain and then we have all the rest of the aspects of our brain present but they're not highly connected so it's like we're trying to get connections or this huge um nervous system neural highway of connections um, to various parts of the body. And so in the beginning, reflexes, which is like by definition, a reflex is just an automatic response to a stimuli. So when you know you get tested at the doctor and they tap your knee, it's an automatic reflex, right? And so mm -hmm. for us <laughs> sitting here right now, we're blinking our eyes. We don't we don't have any memory, we don't have any idea that we're doing it. It's an automatic thing that we do, right? Um so 
in the brainstem, we have all of these reflexes um, that are present that actually help us to start to interact with the world when not only actually at birth, but in utero also. And so these reflexes serve a huge purpose. And so there sometimes becomes mm. confusion because sometimes people say, oh, those reflexes are bad. No, in the beginning, they need to be the best friends of the nervous system. The reflexes need mm. to be there. They need to actually emerge. They need to do their job. And then they need to, what we uh, describe as integrate into a higher neurological plan where higher centers of the brain are taking over and having more flexibility. So one of the examples that I like to use for understanding reflexes, because, um, you know, a lot of parents or really anybody that's been in contact with a baby understands this. But um, at birth, when a baby um, is hungry and you just brush their cheek, they will automatically turn their head towards the stimulus and then they yeah. will root on to whatever that is. Mm -hmm. It could be your finger, it could be your shoulder, it could be anything. There's no, there's, um, it's an automatic response. So that, that reflex is the root suck reflex that helps us gain nourishment at the time of birth, mm -hmm. okay? And each of these reflexes that are patterned in that brainstem serve a purpose. And as we start mm -hmm. to use them, we start to move and we start to interact. We start to respond to different things in our environment. And then all of that creates a sensory experience and develops the brain. Mm, so it's coordinating our actions and sensory information. Right. And so like, if you think about it, like just if we were to just get up and walk around right now, what sensory experience, what senses are you using by walking? Yeah, I'm, I'm using my eyesight. I'm watching where I'm going. I'm using uh, my vestibular system so that I can make sure that I'm not falling over. Right. <laughs> I'm using, yeah, because my ears and my, you know, and also touch, all of these things. Right. Probably, I, I would, yeah. I would imagine all of my senses, but I'm not necessarily aware of it, right? right. <laughs> and so, so basically movement creates a sensory experience. And so anytime we move our body, we are stimulating all of our senses, you know? So it could be vision, mm -hmm. it could be um, auditory, it could be tactile, it could be proprioceptive, it could be vestibular, you know, all kinds of information when we are moving. Um, one of my mentors and one of the uh, co-founders of RMTI, Rhythmic Movement Training, um, her name is Moira Dempsey, she basically says that the only reason that we have a brain is to move and to mm. actually develop our brain, we need to move, okay? So it's mm -hmm. this back and forth, and um, she, she uses a couple of great analogies, but really our brain, when we, when we move our body, we are creating a sensory experience, we are stimulating our brain and various parts of our brain every single time we move. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's super, super important, I know, for growth 
um, and it and it affects our mental health. And so I wonder, you know, as we're talking about um, rhythmic movement therapy, can you can you kind of differentiate um, for myself as well as our listeners um, what makes rhythmic movement or RMTI different from other therapies? Like I know there's um, I've been I have had training in um, um, unintegrated primitive reflexes through um, a, you know, just an OT um, organization. I've had, um, uh, you know, a I've learned about it in different types of somatic um, teachings that I've um, worked on. and courses that I've done, I know I've read like books like Brain Gym, right? right? Um, but I, but I know that there's a special component um, or special components. So can you just share um, what the core um, work of RMTI looks like? Um, I guess maybe it's like why RMTI, right? And and just so that we can, um, yeah, get a better understanding. And and then in that, if you can also just like put a plug, who would be a good candidate for this type of therapy? Sure. So RMTI, I think what differentiates it more than, I mean, because to be honest, there are so many amazing programs out there that help to integrate refluxes. I mean, I could spew out a ton of them and they all serve a wonderful purpose and it just depends on where you are at and what your needs are but what rmti does there's a couple of very unique components to it number one you're basically working on the floor okay or you're working Mm. um, in a position that a baby actually is in most of the time which is laying on the floor on your back, on your side, and on your stomach. And you are trying to Mm. create organization through um, certain movements that um, happen naturally. You will see babies doing these rhythmical type of movements before they blast into another developmental stage. And so Mm -hmm. that's one piece of it is that we are basically getting down onto the floor or if you can't get down to the floor, a mat table or something like that, but you are supine, prone, or sideline doing the majority of these movement patterns, okay? And so um, that's one piece of it. The other major piece of it is, is that the person you're working with is in control meaning that I am the facilitator, I am not the dictator of what happens, okay? And so um, when we still have reflexes um, that have immaturities in our system and reflexes are still being triggered every every day um, and we have immaturities uh, to different parts of the brain, metaphorically, it's giving our body no choice. It's only given us one choice. So you see those, I'll go back to root suck. So you see those kids that are chewing here, like on their, their mm. collars or they're chewing on their fingers or they're, you know, when they are overwhelmed, they have one choice to just go ahead and go back to root suck. Well, 
when we start to do some of the rhythmic movements, the body starts to realize that there's opportunity for choice. And so also the way that I implement the program is that the person themselves they're making the choice as to where they're ready to begin. And so even though uh, refluxes kind of, uh, they start to develop in utero and um, you know there's a sequence to many of them, you don't always have to start at the beginning. If, because sometimes mm. if you start at the beginning and you start to go after a reflex, that's, I'll just name one, um, it's called fear paralysis that develops at five weeks in utero. If you start to go after fear paralysis and that person you're working with is not ready to start to integrate fear paralysis, you will lose them immediately. They will never want to come back into your office ever again. So you need to meet the person where they're at, what they're ready for to do, and what they're c capable to do in that moment. Oh, okay. That's, no, that's really, really helpful. I mean, that's the way we practice uh, or I practice as a mental health clinician as well, right? Like I'm not going to, you know, be like, okay, it's four o'clock on a Tuesday. Tell me the worst time you ever had in your life, the most traumatic thing. Boom, go. You know, like, right. it's like, I mean, that I'm, I would lose them, right? It's no, we're working the edges. We're working the edges and slowly we get closer and closer, but it's, uh, but if we meet them where we're, where they're at, then we begin in a resourcing phase so that it's almost like it sounds now you tell me if I'm, if this is right or not, that it's almost, it's more strength based in that way. So you're allowing the client to dictate yes. what they are to lead. Yes. Um, and so then you're working with what they're capable of and, and you're, and yes, you're aware of maybe what is unintegrated or, you know, you can test for that, but you're not going to work their, their edge when they first come in. You're going to develop a relationship and then exactly. move from there. Exactly. You work with where they're ready to begin. Innately, we know mm. what we're ready to deal with, you know, and so mm -hmm. in the beginning, you might not be ready to just go deep, 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 deep. You, you might have you'll have to get there to really fully transform or develop or in, and mature and so forth. But that might not be the first step that you take. And so that's the one mm. thing that I think that differs in RMTI. And even when I'm like trying teach teaching individuals that you need to take your control out of it. You need to be led by the person that, like if you're working with your child, you need them to have control. If after five seconds of doing the activity, they say they've had enough, or they're showing you you've had, they've had enough, that's it. You stop right there. That's their tolerance, and you don't push it further. I always say, actually, it's the hardest um, for parents to work with their own children because we as parents just want to keep on doing it, like more and more and more. Let's like, we need to like do as much as we possibly can, but sometimes we need to just let go of that control and let the child lead us into where they're ready to grow and change. And, um, and then that actually snowballs into how how you see them, their play skills changing and things like that. And it's very mm -hmm. interesting. And so it, became, it almost becomes very organic, even though 
I can sit there and analyze everything from a neurological standpoint and say, okay, this is what's maturing, this is where they're, you know, they're going, and, and this is great, and blah, 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 blah. But it's if you are allowing the person to guide you, things are happening organically. You're just providing an experience for them to stimulate their brain, stimulate their senses in a way to support where they're ready to grow. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Yeah, you're, you are helping them as they organize. And instead of dictating a preconceived or planned or patterned six-week integration, it's like you're tailoring it to their needs. And I think, um, man, it's so it's something that's so needed, especially when there are um, difficulties that children and parents have um, with, 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 you know, movement, with mental health, with, um, physical aspects of themselves. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that I'm would like to ask you, and I'm curious about is, um, there's, I, I understand that as a mental health professional, that integrating, um, reflexes helps with a lot of different things. And I know there's a lot of research on, um, on ways that it helps, uh, issues like sensory, sensory integration, self, which then affects self-esteem. Um, it helps with ADHD. Um, it helps with anxiety. It promotes a lot of really, um, wonderful, tools and options, if you will, right? Like you were discussing. Um, but I'm curious, you know, in, as we're looking at rhythmic movement as a therapy, um, that could be used, um, alongside or in conjunction with, um, many different needs or issues that a child may have or present, um, what, what would you say um, that integrating these reflexes um, are gonna is gonna do? So I know it can help these things, but like let's say a parent comes to to your office and they're not sure that this is the right therapy, or they've been to a bunch of other therapists. Um, what and they're and they've never heard about primitive reflexes um, or understand like uh, you know the the projection of, um, growing upon resources, like you mentioned fear paralysis. And I know like there's the Moro and there's the ATNR and all of these, uh, if you look it up, you know, there's all, there's a list of different types of reflexes that affect different things. Right. Um, and I know I'm, I'm getting a little long winded here. So I, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but I, but I, yeah, I'm curious, like, what, what do you say? Like, Okay, so what do you ho hope for a child as they're integrating these reflexes more than just you get, will get, they'll be able to do this skill better? Or like if we integrate the Palmer reflex, they'll be able to write a little bit better or hold grasp a pencil, you know? Sure. Well, first, I think very simply is, is that I think we all need to understand that the more organized we 
the more organized we are in our movement patterns, the more organized we are going to be in our entire brain, okay? And so the more flexibility, the more rhythm, the more ability to modulate our movements, fast, medium, and slow, um, have different movement types of patterns, that is creating organization in the brain. That also creates organization through the cerebellum and then also through the hippocampus, through all kinds of different parts of the brain that are also stimulating our emotions, our amygdala, all of those different things. So there is the, when you know you hear what is mind-body connection? Well, it has to do with the more we become organized within our body system, the more organized we are within our brain. The more projections we have within every aspect of our brain so we can focus and attend more, so that we can mm -hmm. uh, modulate our emotions more, so that we can be more flexible in various types of environments. Um, so it comes from the body. We learn through our body first before all of these other higher level things happen. You know, all the other higher things that happen, they're, they're above the brainstem. We're trying to, when we integrate reflexes, we are allowing that brainstem to let go and to start to use the motor and the sensory cortex and say, there's flexibility here. Just every time you get your cheek touched, you don't need to just do that and just root, you know? Mm. And so it's allowing the body flexibility. And so I could go on and on with so many examples, like integrating the Palmer reflex, it impacts so many things, so many more things than just handwriting. And so, and, <laughs> and, and integrating the Palmer reflex actually goes right into mental health too. And so, you know, and again, we only have such a short period of time, but that's where a lot of my classes teaching and having people understand that um, all of these reflexes serve a, a purpose in the beginning and they offer the ability for the body to move when we are in utero or in the first year of life to then create those connections to the higher centers. And when you were asking before, like who would benefit from RMTI, to mm -hmm. be honest, everybody benefits from RMTI, okay? And the reality is, is that there is not one single person that has every single part of their brain fully mature. I don't really like mm -hmm. diagnoses, I'm just being honest. Like, you know, I know diagnoses drive um, healthcare systems and everything else, but um, I don't know, maybe this is just like a, a coping mechanism, but I, when people come in and they have this, that, and the other diagnosis, I kind of forget about it because really it comes back to just immaturities in the brain, um, that there's certain mm -hmm. connections in the brain that just are not strong enough and that these other patterns are, uh, much stronger that are more, um, immature brainstem patterns. And so we need to start to yeah. help access upper regions of the brain and that's what the movement patterns and the re integration of the reflexes do yeah i i love that i love that you said that right that it's not just about one motion affecting one thing but it's it's this back and forth and it, it brought this vision of like a labyrinth 
um, to my mind. You know, you go up and then down and around to get to, to get to the center. You're going up and down and around and all over. You know, and um, and I mean, and yeah, it's a journey. It is. It's a journey. And the thing is, is that like even like when. Again, if you go back to root suck, even, you know, we talk about that like it's for nutrition, but you know what? It's the first ability for us to start to create bonding that, Mm -hmm. and so, Mm -hmm. and, and bonding is so critical for mental health. We have to first bond and then we need to let go. And those are other reflexes to let go and feel safe in the world to interact with the world. So there is so much going on. And it's not just about, you know, the majority of the individuals that come into my office. I, even though I'm a PT, I'm not dealing with gross motor issues. I'm dealing with mm. all over the place kind of things. I mean, it could be anything. It could mm-hmm. be, it could be, um, you know, regulation, ADHD, it could be bedwetting, it could be, um, yes, some gross motor skills, it could be eye contact, it could be social emotional, Mm -hmm. all across the board. And so that's the beauty of RMTI. And even when I teach my classes, the variety of people that come to my classes, it's it's amazing because the integration of reflexes is foundational for everything else. And so it's almost like, you know, our different professions, we have our specialties, but, but, and we speak our own languages, but when we get down to talking about reflexes, we start to talk the same language. And so, and it's foundational for everything else. Yeah, I I agree. I know uh, when I first started learning about reflexes, I was like blown away. I'm just, I was like, this makes so much sense. And I'll give you a little personal story is that when I was um, a, I'm from a very large family and uh, one of my younger siblings um, was born with sepsis and a coli and and contracted sepsis and a coli and, um, and almost died. And um, he was in, you know, he was, his life was saved, but his brain was damaged. And, um, he, uh, is a delightful 22 year old right now. Um, but my mother and father decided that they were going to, um, work, um, to provide physical therapy, occupational therapy at home through patterning and, um, and doing crawling movements. And we, they, learned about um this the human potential at this institute in philadelphia and it and all of my life i've like known about this because what i learned when i was a teenager when he was born was that crawling these basic you know movements are really important for brain connections but then there's so much else there's breathing there's ways in which we move and and like you said, the roots suck and all of these. And if we can have different options, then our body can grow. And and for me, what I think is really cool is, you know, my experience, my brother, they said he'd never to- be toilet trained. He'd never be uh, able to walk on his own. He'd never be able to hold a job. And he's doing all of that, yes, which is so amazing. Awesome. And it was eight years of this therapy if I remember correctly. And, and it was a lot of work 
but my mom was like convinced that this would work. And as I, when I became a mental health therapist and I started, you know, learning about um, different things like somatic work and was introduced to this, I was, I was brought back to my teenage years when we, when we all helped with this therapy in the home. And I, I thought, Oh my goodness, this, this makes sense. This I I've known this, but I've not known this, you know? Um, and it's, and I think it's fascinating. So, you know, uh, even though it's not just me, right. <laughs> There's a I mean, I've seen it, I've seen it work, which is amazing. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to chat about this today, because I think that par as parents, a parent myself, right. And you were t talking about your experience as a parent, sometimes it it feels like there aren't answers or people don't have all of the answers but as you begin to dig and dig and dig and go further and further and further um it can it's remarkable what you can what you can learn about the human body and how um integrating different aspects of it can actually help all a lot of other a lot of different things right growth um, where we're going, our human potential. Um, and, and so I, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm just excited, really excited that you're here and we're having this conversation and, um, I wish we could talk forever, but I'm, I would love it if you could share with, um, our listeners, um, a little bit about that, like a practical example. So I know, um, you've mentioned the root suck a few times, and I I just can't help but think of all of the kids that um, I see um, regularly that might be have reverted back to or continue to suck their thumb or chew their mask here in COVID times, <laughs> or um, you know do something like that. And I know that it's important to address the behaviors. Um, and to give them options, but what would a typical treatment, if they're ready to work on that, look like to help to integrate um, a continued, you know, rooting behavior? Um, well, I'll answer that question, but I also want to just make a comment that, and I'm sure that you say this all the time to the families that you work with, is that a behavior is just a form of communication, okay? And so mm -hmm. when you see a behavior, um, it's often, it's just communicating something, right? When, like, let me ask you, when you see those kids sucking on their masks or sucking on their fingers, what does that communicate to you? Well, what do you think? What do you think it communicates? <laughs> I, th I think it communicates that they are, they're, they're scared because they're, they're looking for something to kind of settle them or ground them like a, almost like an early, you know, exactly. sucking of a bottle right. action. Exactly. Because so, because roots suck again, it's not just for nutrition. It's for, it's one of the first ways that we create safety and security in our system. Okay. And so that mm -hmm. behavior itself is communicating. I'm not feeling safe right now. I'm feeling overwhelmed mm. right now. I'm having to do something to basically ground my system. And I always tell like families that actually the, the biggest 
uh, way in which we ground our system is through our mouth. So you think about it, not just kids sucking their thumbs, but what oral motor behaviors do we have as adults that help us to ground our system, whether it be uh, smoking cigarettes or um, uh, oral fixations for any reason or overeating or doing all kinds of things. It's because our whole body system, our whole body feels so disorganized and so dysregulated that we're you going back to the very first thing in life that helped us to ground. And so the behavior is just communicating what the system is feeling or sensing inside. So I could yeah. I could go on with every single behavior, like when a parent comes in, like how that communicates. So anyway. Yeah, no, I think, and I, yeah, and I mean, like, I think that's, I, no, I, I think that's amazing because, I mean, if you think about it, like, um, you know, like people that chew ice or chew gum or, you know, or yes, like you said, smoke cigarettes or have a vape or, um, you know, have to have a straw near them or, you know, any type of, you know, something crunchy or, something in their mouth so then I, I guess like so personally I'm gonna ask so how like, do you, so how, then how do you fix how that? do you not just how do you not just replace the behavior with something else because it, you know you, like you have to, some, yeah you have to go back to the body and so basically mm -hmm. there are certain movements and again it's individual but there are certain movement activities that you are taking the person through for them to experience and so that you're starting to develop nerve networks um, into of different parts of the brain to create more calming effects and more feelings of safety and security. So you might, I mean, some of the things that I do straight for root suck, if I'm just going after root suck, might actually be face work and inner mouth work. But it's not just about that. It's not just about going after root suck. It's about the whole body system. And so, you know, the body can get very overwhelmed. Like, for example, um, I have a little one that gets car sick. Um, um, they, when they drive over, you know, to session when they first started, they would get so car sick and then they would put their fingers in their mouth and they would start sucking their mm -hmm. thumb, right? Mm -hmm. Well, getting car sick has to do with the vestibular system and the way that the, the, the head, you know, stimulates and how it coordinates with the eyes, the inner ears and the eyes. So movement of the body and teaching the body that it can be safe with a movement of the head and the eyes and so forth is critical for that person's system to feel safe. And then they don't have to use that strategy of sucking their thumb. Does that make sense? It, it makes so much sense. And I, and I would love your comment on this. So I, you know, I had twins and then I had a singleton. And after that, my body felt so different. I felt like I was like going through puberty again. And I feel like, you know, doing, I, I didn't do rhythmic movement training, but, or therapy, but like going to a yoga class and actually patterning that in or doing something with slow, purposeful, organized movements felt like it really helped my brain to feel like I had power again. I knew I was more in touch with my body and I, it changed a lot of the way that I even, 
out, you know, looked at life. Right. Uh, because, I, but I don't, but again, I would love for you to tell me why, why is that? Tell our listeners, why, why does organizing movement of any kind help to, to help us? Well, because, again, <laughs> I guess. because again, why did it help me? Why did it help you? Because you, be, so the two parts of the brain that you were really stimulating is the cerebellum and the basal ganglion and the motor, motor sensory cortex, all those pieces together. And so by creating organization through your body, it helps to organize everything else that you do because those parts of the brain, especially cerebellum and basal ganglion, that also goes right into impulse control, emotions, things like that. So, I mean, everything is connected. And so again, when we become more organized in our body and the way that we move, um, it's only going to improve every other aspect of um, what we do in life. And, you know, I, I joke about this, but the truth really actually is that I was seeking a strategy or something to help my son as well as the students that I work with, but I actually really needed the, the therapy as much for myself as anybody else. My son was just a mirror of where my immaturities lie. And so sometimes I think we have to understand, and, and, and not all of us as parents are feel comfortable enough with this, but the fact is, is that mm -hmm. where our immaturities lie in our system, translates into we can't give what we don't have ourselves. So my older right, son, right. you know, he was just a mirror of me. His whole sympathetic system, like I, I joke that I'm a recovering A++++ person. And so um, <laughs> the rhythmic movements have allowed me, you know, to also modulate my system and be able to be mm. more flexible, less controlling, be able to, uh, again, from an emotional standpoint, let go, things like that. And so, um, you know, and again, you, I don't know how you feel about this or the audience, but it's like our kids are truly our greatest gifts sometimes for our own, our, our own growth, right? And so that's what it's, sometimes... It's true. And I... I agree with you a hundred percent. And I, I think, you know, what's beautiful is like my journey to really, really work to integrate my body and brain, um, began in my, with, a, I, yes, it began probably a long time before this, but, um, cognitively I, I knew I had to figure it out or do something with it and begin to, love my body and use it and work with it and organize when I when I had uh my pregnancy with my twin I'm twins that was like that was the beginning of like yeah this is I have to do this and I and I uh, I appreciate your vulnerability so much about being having a child and them really being a mirror of your nervous system or the way in which you move in the world I totally agree. And in fact, uh, in my house, we joke about how mommy goes to work so that she can be a better mommy. <laughs> well, and, and true. Because yes. I'm going to school learning. Yeah. And it's really true. And, uh, and, so, and I think that it's, it's important, but it's also, um, 
it's important to know, but it's, I, I think, you know, it's important also to, even though it can be really hard to be vulnerable and to be able to name that so that your child doesn't feel like, oh, I'm the only one that has to work on this, especially if they're the age where they can understand things, um, cognitively, not just, um, not just, you know, through, you know, their body, but through like putting connections, right. Uh, their cognitive, their cognitive brain is connecting the dots. Like something's wrong with me. That's why I go to therapy or something. But if we're talking about, Hey, we're all working on this together and we're, and we are working to be flexible and organize. And it's not just about Johnny or about Susie, but it's about we're all doing this together, how powerful that is. And I personally do think it's a gift because even though children are can be really challenging, they bring about so many wonderful things um, and opportunities for us to grow and change and develop as well. Right. And, and you know, the thing too is, is that, you know, going back to, how RMTI is different is is that I actually really center the intentions around the child themselves, giving them so much control, like even as simple as controlling the environment when they're here. Do you want the music on? Do you want the lights on? How do you want, you know, do you want the candle burning? All of these different things so that they start to really realize, you know, the, a big buzzword is that interoception, having knowledge about internally what you need for yourself. And so by mm -hmm. allowing the child to have control over so many of the things and they're like, well, you're not going to tell me what exercises to do. And I'm like, no, I'm going to help guide you to what you want to do. You know, do you want to be on your tummy? Do you want to be on your back? Do you want to work with your head? Do you want to do this, that, you know, and I mean, it sounds like, I mean, obviously I, I do a full evaluation and I know where the immaturities lie. So I know what options sure, I have sure. for each, but still the idea is allowing that person to have a voice because when we are st stuck in using brain stem all the time, we feel we have no choice in life. We are just mm. reacting to what's going on around us. And so it, it's a way, and even the way that I de deliver my services, um, I see some fam, you know, some kids once a week, some every other week, some once a month, some whenever, you know, but the child actually gets to determine. I'm like, okay, when would you like to come back here? And some kids can't always tell me like, you know, a definitive time, but they might just say like tomorrow. Well, that means that they really want to see me a lot. And then other kids are just like, you know, not for a long time. They need more time with the, the particular activities. They need to move slowly. And so again, mm. giving that autonomy to the person really helps the whole process and helps to develop that interoceptive system so that the you know, okay, what is this feeling going on inside and I actually can do something about it. 
And how sneaky are you that you're also working on that fear and that anxiety by giving them control, right? right? Exactly. Well, that's, I mean, really, that's what it is. You know, it goes back to, and, yes. and, and really, realistically, I mean, when you talk about reflexes, the two main reflexes that we already talked about, fear, paralysis, and moral, they're the gate of every other reflex. And so truly, then everything's, there's going to be some immaturity somewhere in other reflexes mm -hmm. as well. But you might not be ready to start with those very um, scary reflexes first. We might have to go through the back door and work through other things first. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I remember. I'm just I'm just going to share this small anecdote. Is that I remember being in a training um, where it was informed by um, reflex uh, understanding reflexes and the and the work that we were doing on the body. Um, it was more geared towards mental health, but the, the instructor said, notice where your head is and what would feel better to lay with your head towards the door or not towards the door. And I was like, oh my goodness, I never had a choice, you know, in certain trainings and how, how actually sitting and listening, I was like, my body actually had a preference and felt safer one way. And I just, uh, it was like a light bulb moment, right? And so as you're talking about going, you know, meeting children and helping them work through things, it's not that we're being permissive or letting them run the therapy. No, you're in charge, but you're giving them control and a lot of, um, a lot of charge so that you can actually work these these reflexes and help them integrate. Exactly. And we and then you're empowering them and you're empowering them for the rest of once they leave here and that they have choice, you know, and that they do mm -hmm. have the ability mm -hmm. so that then they can start to feel safe because it's like, oh, I have choice in this, then I feel safer when I have choice. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's beautiful. Well, Elizabeth, I am so glad that you have been able to join me today. And um, before we end, can you share with our listeners where um, they can get in touch with you or find out more about your practice? I know it's here in Illinois, um, but I know that you said that, you know, you know people around the world, too. So tell us about where we can get in touch with you. And we'll also have a link in the description below so that people can um, can get that if they're driving or they can't jot it down real quick. Sure. So my practice is called Thrive Therapy. My website is thrivetherapy.info. And um, you can get in touch with me through my website. I have trainings. Um, throughout the year and some are more advanced trainings but um, one for parents and teachers or those that um, just want to get their feet wet I have a one-day course that's called rhythmic movement and play and it is an incredible course it's actually one of my favorite courses because you don't get really deep into all the neuro because sometimes that overwhelms like people that are not necessarily interested in or mm, practicing mm -hmm. in that way, but you leave knowing all of the 17 basic movements of RMTI. And um, I love the class 
especially for, like I say, parents, caregivers, teachers, um, grandparents, and those that, or even therapists that just want to start learning and seeing whether or not this would be a tool. And you can go home with somewhat ignorance on fire and just start using the movements. And I teach you how to, uh, you know, use the movements and read uh, the person that you're working with and you go after it. And then, you know, of course, if you need further support, um, you know, I do, um, I, like I said, I, I service clients in my office, and you can get in touch with me that way as well. Awesome, yeah. And I know that I'm not sure what the PT laws are across state lines. I know that mental health um, across state lines, they the person has to be present in the state, but I um, I know that that there can be. Um, just so much gain from even going to your website or learning trainings or, or going to trainings and learning through that. Um, so check out thrivetherapy.info. Is that correct? Correct. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. And um, is there an RMTI network online for our parents that are listening around the world? So I don't, there's not necessarily a network for, like, once you start to do trainings, there are actually Facebook groups when you've started to do RMTI trainings. And so um, once, like, you take a class, you can be part of that Facebook group. Um, there, there are probably various uh, reflex integration um, networks through Facebook, and, and actually I've received lots of information from or people contacting me through Pinterest because uh, somebody blogged about me on P Pinterest and things like that. So, you know, I think that um, finding resources is more about, you know, looking at either RMTI or reflux integration to gain more ideas about what some of the modalities are about and understanding what you think might be a good fit for, for yourself or your family. Nice. Okay. Well, this has been such an informative hour and I am so thankful that you agreed to come on this podcast. Thank you so much and listeners, thank you. Thank you for being here, for listening. And if you found this conversation useful, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and join me next time for the Parent Matters podcast. And like I always say, don't parent alone. Thank you so much. Just as a disclaimer. You are so welcome. I'm so glad. And just as a disclaimer for all of our listeners, the topics discussed in this podcast should be considered a matter of personal opinion. They do not reflect professional advice. If you or your child is in need of mental health counseling or physical therapy or any other type of therapy support, please search out a licensed professional in your area.